Well, this year on Standing Room Only, we've been broadcasting interviews with a range of experts who repair people's treasures. Our last is with a colleague of ours, John Roberts, who mends old broken radios that still have plenty of life left in them. Well, one of John's specialities is repairing the old plastic bell radios that were in so many Kiwi homes from the 1950s. We have photographs of some of the radios JR's restored in a gallery on our webpage. They're rather lovely. rnz.co.nz slash standing room only. Well, I asked JR if he grew up with a radio in the family home. Yeah, we had two. There was what I call the kitchen radio. Um, I don't know what brand it was. They brought it in from overseas. Uh, I was told not to touch it. And when I worked out what sort of radio it was, that was good advice because uh, bits of it were live and probably could have killed me. Goodness. What about the other one? The other one is a clipper, a wooden one. It sat in the front room and it was our gramophone. There's something beautiful still, isn't there, about those old radios. There's something nostalgic about them, whether or not they're collecting dust, whether or not they work. They were a thing of beauty. Yeah, some of the wooden ones were, and a lot of the plastic ones were absolutely beautiful. Well, eventually you were allowed to touch radios. In fact, you learned how to deconstruct them. How did you learn? Were you a tinkerer by nature? Yep, and um, self-taught. I found a magazine called Radio and Hobbies in Australia, and in that magazine was a column called From the Serviceman Who Tells, and the serviceman would write out what the problem was, this is how he fixed it, and this is what led to a proper fix. And if you sat down and read the notes... It did teach you, and that's how I taught myself. The precursor to how many people are learning now, which is on YouTube, I guess. Yes, oh, you see, there are some very good YouTube sites uh, around which um, show you in video what to do. Do you remember your first radio that you really were determined to repair? You know, taking it apart, following the notes, and of course, putting it all back together again. Actually, it was one I built from scratch to a Radio and Hobbies design. Goodness me. Yeah, and I was very lucky. Um, I'm sure you remember Hayden Shirley, who used to work with us. I do. He gave me two things called the Transformers, and they looked the part. He was a very generous man. Um, I had to have the chassis made, but all the rest of the stuff I had, and I built it, put it all together, and it worked. Yeah. Were the parts imported from overseas, or did some we have an them, industry there? Some of them were, some of them I had. And you set up a workshop. I I guess the other thing that you need to have is the right gear, the right equipment, because you're talking about some very fine parts, obviously. So how did you accumulate the kind of tools that you needed? Um, Over time, I just sort of did it. You need um, basic woodworking, metalworking tools, you know, screwdriver, spanner, pliers, that sort of thing, a soldering iron and solder, and to know how to solder properly. If you're just starting out, you really only need one piece of gear that's called the multimeter. It's a circuit tester for testing various bits, and if you use it intelligently, that will help to track down 90% of faults, just one multimeter. Have you had any radios come your way? Maybe they're unique, you hadn't seen them before, that I'm sure you did repair, JR, but were just a bit puzzling, just a bit more challenging than some of the others? Not a lot. Most of them have been New Zealand radios, a couple of Australian ones, and because of what I've read... I didn't really need the what's called the circuit diagram. It's the map that tells you how it's all connected up. Because they all basically work the same way with some small changes. But yeah, if you look and listen and think, you can do quite a good job just with really, really basic stuff. What would be one of the oldest radios that you've worked on? 
uh, it's one which I still have not fixed. It's one my wife bought at an auction. It's called an Erla, E-R-L-A. It was, it's American, uh, made in 1931, and the mains transformer has what's called a shorted turn, which means it gets hot and it doesn't sound too good. And I'm searching around for another one. Might have to get one made. Well, see, I was going to ask you actually, JR, about parts, because... Quite a few of the, the repairers we talk to, if they're wanting older wood, they might go to an op shop and get a, an old bed head or something like that. They can find a way to make it work or bits for toys. They can go to second-hand shops and find something similar. Um, what about you with, with sourcing, kind of even from dials? I know my bell that you fixed for me, you know, the dial was one of the hardest things to source. Well, I am a member of the New Zealand Vintage Radio Society and... A lot of the, the guys have their own collections, and if you put out the begging bowls, you go on the, um, what's it called, the forum, and say, hey, I, have, has anyone got a dial for a bloody bloody bar, this, that, or the other? And sometimes they, they will, if they've got one, they will help, and very often all it costs you is postage. I mentioned the bell, and I did want to talk to you about the bell radios, because a lot of our listeners will remember the plastic. Ours was white. I think they were different yeah. colours, weren't they, the bell? Yes, yeah, they came in in white, uh, blue, green, dark brown, mottled brown, and red, and the red ones are the rare ones. Oh, okay. And they're oh. the ones that go for the very high prices on Trade Me and other auctions houses but the 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 stuff inside the chassis they're all the same pretty much what was the story of them that we know when were they made and and why were they so popular I mean, was it price or i think that might be part of it i've done a bit of research they first started um manufacture in 1952 they were made in you know, different sh- cabinets chassis uh, over the next 20 years and they kept the price at 13 pounds now, that's a, a lot. If you do, I, I looked for a calculator, but I couldn't find one. But £13 in 1952, I imagine, would be a lot today for just an AM radio. Gosh, were they built to last, though? I mean, we're they talking were. about the fact that, you know, I'm still listening to our family one that's now. That's right. I, re- I repaired yours, was it four years ago? It didn't take much, and obviously it's still going. Still going yeah. strong. They're yeah. a beautiful radio. Yes. And I guess one of the things about radios, JR, when people talk to you about them, and I, I probably told you a little bit about mine, but I remember the family gathering around it. You know, even pre-television, you know, the radio mm-hmm. was a real centre point for, for the family. My mum listened to it while she knitted, for example. Um, so I think there's, I can see why people want them fixed yeah. and not just an ornament because there's this emotional attachment and the sound's so different. It's so beautiful. It's not an MP3. It's a different kind of sound, eh? Yeah, it, it's what they call a very warm sound. Speaking as a sound mixer, it just means that there's not a lot of treble there. A lot of the treble response has been rolled off. But if you're just listening to talks or um, just for general entertainment, it doesn't really matter. If it sounds good and you like it, then, yeah, you go for it. Have you repaired any of the red ones? What are your most common ones? I rebuilt a red one because it came came to us. My wife swapped a brass bedstead for it. And um, it wasn't in the best nick inside. Luckily, that the cabinet was excellent. So I ripped it all out and rebuilt it from scratch. And uh, it works well. And you've kept it? Oh, yeah. In terms of the cabinetry, uh, I know my model. Were there many variations on the Bell radio cabinets? The actual cabinet, no. But the dials, they had subtle differences. And the knobs were different too. Yeah, they actually reduced the number of valves too as as the technology increased. Um, one of the valves is called the rectifier. They they managed to replace that with um, diodes because they were they don't consume heater power. Uh, they were cheaper and they lasted longer. What's the most common problem? Somebody somebody gets in touch and say, "Jr, got this old Bell radio. 
she's not going, what is most likely to have gone wrong? Um, I'll try not to be too technical, but there's this component called a capacitor. Basically, it allows a signal, an AC signal, a sound signal, if you like, to go through it, and it's supposed to block direct current. Now, over the, t- over the age, they leak. They allow a bit of DC to pass through as well. That can cause the valve to which it's connected a lot of grief, and if that capacitor is in the power supply, it can um, drag the, the power supply down, make it work harder than it needs to, and in the worst cases, can cause a fire. Crikey. Well, that's a bit of a word of warning, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I guess your happy place is actually getting sound out of a radio that, like mine, had been silent for mm. 10, 20 years or so. You know, yeah. So for you, when you've fixed it and you turn the dial on, yeah. that must be a real buzzfeed. But, you know, we talked to a clockmaker about the same thing, yeah. hearing something that's been silent, Gosh. that had a voice. Yeah, it, it is, yeah. And um, I will give it a long listen to make sure that there's no faults I've missed or to make sure that nothing else is starting to go a bit awry because there's often more than one fault but mostly it's capacitors that that cause the grief Well I've been talking about Bells because that's a radio very dear to my heart but what are some of the other brands JR that you've worked on and that you really enjoy? Well Columbus was massive Uh, mostly they were wood there was one or two plastic ones but mostly they were wood they were made in the 1930s and yeah they generally require a lot of restoration work simply because they are so old. And some of them are now coming up 90 years. That's a lot for um, uh, electronics to, to keep going. And uh, I'll tell you one more thing. Very often the valves are fine, but it's the components underneath which go faulty. What does your studio look like, your workshop? Uh, it's my son's bedroom. He's now living overseas and married, so I don't think he's going to want it back. Uh, it's chock full of test gear, test gear I hardly need, but I like the look of it. It's uh, made by Heathkite. Uh, Heathkite were very popular in America in the 1950s, and they did a very, very good quality product, and I've fallen in love with them. I think they're great. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I do use them on occasion. Interesting for me that most of the radios that you were repairing were New Zealand made, because mm. often at that time that we're talking about, there was a lot of importing coming in. How did they compare? How did the New Zealand made radios compare, say, with... Uh, imported radios. I, I would put the New Zealand product up against any any radio from overseas. We made some bloody good stuff back then. Very, very good quality. So who's some of the, you mentioned Colombo, we talked about Bell. Who are some of the other makers? Who would, who would get you excited if someone gets in touch to say, Jay, I've got, I've got a radio issue here um, and, and it's this maker? There weren't that many manufacturers and they all came up with different models. But uh, there were things like uh, the Golden Knight was one of their their radios. Oh, that sounds rather dashing. Yeah. What do but they look it's like? Just a, it's just a standard, bog-standard wooden radio. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, with uh, two or three knobs, a dial with a light behind it, and standard tuning on it. So one of the things I love about old radios is that they had the the channels there. So mine mm. has, because we were in Dunedin, it's got 4ZB, which I actually worked for at one stage. You yeah. know, it's quite lovely to see those old those old names there. Yeah, the call signs here. Well, of course, they've all been dropped now because it's all all networks. But um, I think a lot of people will still remember 1YA, 2YA, 3YA, 4YA, and then the YCs and the ZBs and the ZM stations. And if it's an older radio, there were the YD stations. The the 2YD started, I think, in the late 40s, and it became 2ZM. Wow, that's really going back, isn't it? it? I'm hoping listeners will get in touch with photographs of their old old radios. Um, A lot of people perhaps are worrying with the move to FM and away from AM that their old radios won't be able to be used. Uh, That's true, that they won't. You can't really convert an AM radio 
to be an FM one. What you can do is um, put a modification at the back of it and plug your um, MP3 player or your FM tuner into it. It's not strictly keeping it original, but I think of it as a gramophone input. An awful lot of radios had gramophone inputs, so what's wrong with that? So you'd get that same kind of warm sound you, you would, come yeah. from it. In fact, I even did this for one of our colleagues, Mark Chesterman. Bit of history here. His granddad designed the Bell Colt circuits in 1952. There you go. Yeah. Ah. And he bought a Bell Colt, and it had an oak cabinet. And he wanted to put his MP3 player through it, so I wired a gramophone input, effectively. And it works well. little switch at the back. So you can either have a radio or the MP3 player. What about the woods? You mentioned before some of the wooden radios. What was the most common wood? And does it have an impact on the sound coming out, or is the wood really more decorative in taste? I think it does have an impact because it's more solid, and it's a bigger cabinet, and the speakers tend to be bigger as well. See, back then, the size of a speaker was really, really important. Nowadays, it's not so much because I've heard some really amazing quality from quite little speakers. Yeah, but back then, the size of it of the speaker was very important. Yeah, and as to the wood types, I'm not sure because a lot of them were veneered. So I guess they were made with whatever stock they had, and then they ironed on veneer. Because I mean, we're talking about you know some years here where times are really tough. Mm. You know, um, war, post-war. I guess they were making doing the best that they could. What they could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, you're yeah. right. So trade me places like trade me if you can't get parts through your mates and the and the group. Mm. Do you do you scour op shops and and trade me, for, hoping for even you know, broken broken radios that you might be able to reuse in some way? That is one option, but uh, for things like basic things like resistors and capacitors, a lot of them you can get locally. Um, if I don't, if I can mention my name, at JK Electronics, they do a lot of their resistors are quite suitable. They have a small line of capacitors which are suitable. So they're, they're modern, they're modern, but they yeah. they will they can fit the. Oh, they'll fit. They're much smaller than the 1930s equivalent. Really? Yeah. So, so you have to modify. So you have to have to modify then the connections, or how do you just I mean, make, make the wires longer if it's too short, or if you're really going to be um, aiming for that that look, you hollow the guts out of the old one and pop the new one in and seal it with wax. So you're that, beaming. You love a, this stuff, oh, don't yeah, you? Oh that, yeah, that's a lot of work though. Some people won't go to that um, that extent, and I, I wouldn't if it was just a repair. But if I'm doing a restoration, yeah, it's worth hollowing out the guts of the old one, popping the new one in. So it looks, it looks original. John Roberts, radio repairer. A couple of texts and one relating to what we were just discussing. Uh, Nick says, old valve radios are great, but unfortunately Radio NZ and their short-sightedness stopped AM transmission in central Otago, which made our beautiful valve radio suddenly obsolete. Shame on you, RNZ. If you listen to that, Nick, you, there's, an, there's uh, an alternative for you. Standing room only, says another listener, enjoying the afternoon listening on a valve radio. Have sent a photograph. Looking forward to seeing that. 